It is the Osmo NFL Tournament Strategy Show, and we've got another NFL slate. Me and Nor- Neil Orfield—I don't know what what name I just called you. It, was, it wasn't quite Neil. It wasn't quite Neil Orfield. It was something I like blended your first and last names together, which I should not be doing because Neil is a millionaire maker winner, and all the more reason you guys should be following him on Twitter. Also, listen to everything that he has state very closely because he's got the goods to win some big field tournaments over on DraftKings and FanDuel. So, Neil, how do you feel about this slate this weekend? It's a really interesting one. I feel like uh, I feel pretty good about some pay down spots at running back. Um, maybe I maybe I feel better than I should about those. Um, yeah, it's it's an interesting one. There's just uh, we're back to I think 12 games on this slate. I think it's been 10 the past past couple of weeks. Um, so we have a few more options. Uh, I'm excited. I mean, I'm I love NFL uh, DFS. So so I love every slate just about. But uh, yeah, I'm excited about this one. How about you? uh yeah to me i I think that this is all it's it's also halloween and uh, you know i've had people ask me what are you going to be doing for halloween it's like watching football on red zone and gambling on football like there's no there's no way like it didn't even register to me really that it was halloween it's like i guess i'll go to costco and get a bunch of candy for kids that come by but uh to me this kind of football sunday from a gambling perspective always is going to override any kind of nfl dfs i also think we have some interesting talking points just from large point spreads and it's something we saw last week where there was you know i don't remember what the final spread was for the rams against the lions maybe it was something like 17 points and we have a similar situation for them against the houston texans this week and once again kind of similar decisions to be made where we have this team in the los angeles rams that by far if you look at our top stack school this is the team with the top overall stack odds where we have the los angeles rams 24.9 percent chance of being a top scoring stack on on DraftKings, 25.2 on FanDuel. So I actually want to start there and ask you, when you see these kind of numbers in our top stacks tool, but it's a game that is such inherent blowout risk against the Houston Texans where, you know, there's a massive spread here. How much risk do you think there is in this game becoming one-sided and the Rams not having to throw the ball in the fourth quarter? I mean, there's obviously risk to it, um, but I think that that's factored into the top stack odds. I mean, I think all of that risk is most likely fa- should be factored into the top stack odds. So I'm going to trust the numbers here. Um, 24.9% top stack odds. Is that the most we've seen this year? It's got to be close. I think, I think the Rams might've been higher last week, Really? Okay. Uh, but, but it was, it I was, in the, it. it was, yeah, it was in the same neighborhood though. It was something, it was something a, a, around the, you know, like mid twenties, maybe even high twenties. I think the Rams might've finished. It was like 28 or 29%, but yeah, that aside, we're seeing 8% ownership on Matthew Stafford on both FanDuel and DraftKings, considerably better odds of being a top stack. And there's one other thing I also want to ask you when it comes to Matt Stafford. So we have all these great odds on the Rams to be the top scoring stack of the slate. But if you go to the boom bust tool, it's actually showing Matthew Stafford as being a little bit overowned relative to his odds of landing in the optimal lineup. So I wanted to ask you, Neil, because I know that you really love to use both these tools on the site. How do you balance those things and ultimately kind of figure out whether you want to be over or underweight to the field on Matthew Stafford? Funny that you asked me that because I was just about to ask you that. I struggle with that a lot, to be honest, that the boom bust, when the boom bust doesn't line up exactly with the top stack odds. And I think that this is a situation where the top stack odds are so high because he's so concentrated to Cooper Cup and Robert Woods to a lesser extent. So I feel like the the top stack odds um, are... Uh, larger than they would be otherwise because he has those receivers that are just so likely to to boom. So the top stack odds are raised by the receivers, which makes me think you don't want to go too overboard on Matthew Stafford himself. I mean, the stack is great because the receivers are great because they're so concentrated, which tells me that we should probably be wanting to play a lot of Cooper Cup and Robert Woods. Um, but with Matthew Stafford, only a 4.8% optimal lineup probability, I'll probably be right around uh, the field with Matthew Stafford. I'm not going to go way over the field despite the huge top stack odds yeah and there's a couple of different ways i like to look at this number one is i kind of balance the two where i'm trying to figure out like okay i think somewhere probably in between the two is where i want to get exposure to matthew stafford somewhere in between the rams top stack odds and then also what his odds are of landing me off the lineup because i do think there's a case to be made here where it's hey look at all the upside in the rims if this game stays competitive that's something last week where we did uh, our, our overall favorite stacks of the week I really like the the Rams in a double stack with Matthew Stafford. I think this is a really similar situation. I think I could give out all the same picks on offense with the Rams that I did last week. Where it's like, hey, Matthew Stafford, Robert Woods, Tyler Higby, and and of course Cooper Cup, and it's the same sort of risk reward. And for 
for cash games, if, if we were talking about that, maybe there's a little more risk to take into consideration. For tournaments, though, I don't care as much about the blowout, and that was something I kind of asked at the top here, but I care so much more about the ceiling for tournaments than anything else that I don't really mind too much that there's going to be a blowout, uh, a potential blowout here. But I do think from a stacking perspective, one other thing I want to ask you about when we're talking about potential Ram stacks is do you think you would want to bring back most of the sacks with the player from the Houston Texans? Or would you be okay with just running Stafford with one or two of his pass catchers? You are just one step ahead of me today. I was I was really about to ask you that exact same thing again. Yeah, it's a tough one. So so last week I did not require uh, bring back from the Lions and I regretted it because uh, DeAndre Sapp. DeAndre Swift did really well, but obviously DeAndre Swift is better than anybody on the Texans. So I think that I would be comfortable again, not playing any Texans bring back. It's a, it's a, it is a tough situation because it is true that also they're probably not going to be throwing the ball much in the fourth quarter, maybe even late third quarter if they get up by a lot. Um, so it would be helpful uh, for some of the Texans to do really well. Um so I think that you do want a bring back. A bring back would be um, a positive for Matthew Stafford. So I'll at least give a boost to, I don't even know, David Johnson, Brandon Cooks. Uh, it's tough to find a bring back that you really want on the Texans. But <laughs> yeah, they suck. But if they, uh, if they do well, um, it increases the chance of Matthew Stafford doing well. So I think that you do, it, it would be preferable to find a bring back if there's somebody you like. And it, it's good that they, it's good for the running backs that they got rid of Mark Ingram. So I'm not totally opposed to playing David Johnson, um, potentially Philip Lindsay or Brandon Cooks even. Um, but I think that I'm not, I'm going to have some Matthew Stafford with no bring back stacks. And then I'm going to have some with one of those three, most likely. So here's, here's what I'm going to do. Uh, I'm not going to force it in. I'm going to set a rule in Fantasy Cruncher where I'll set it because there's certain games that I want there to be team stacks, but I'll make stack quarterback with at least one of the running back wide receiver tight end from the other team. But I'll exclude certain teams that I don't want to force it. But then what I'll do is I'll go into Fantasy Cruncher and I'll make a group where I'll say, hey, these wide receivers, these pass catchers, Brandon Cooks will certainly be one of them. Potentially uh, David Johnson is a running back. And I'll say like, hey, any lineup that is Matthew Stafford in, these players get, say, a 20% projection boost. So it won't, it won't make it so those players are automatically in lines with Matthew Stafford, but it'll make them more likely to populate. And just by that, I'll be getting to some of them. And that's, that's something that I like to do from a, a GBP perspective. So a little bit of way that I use the uh, Fantasy Cruncher tool to build some of my football lineups. Is that something that you ever utilize? Yeah, I, I use the boost tool all the time. I exclusively use the boost tool in showdown. I don't do any like requiring a pass catcher with a quarterback. Uh, and in spots like this, I'm definitely going to, uh, same page, I'm going to be using the boost tool to make sure that I get more of the Texans if I'm playing Matthew Stafford. Yeah, I, I think that is uh, certainly one way to look at it. And I know we spent a lot of time, we're already, you know, because we also had to start a couple minutes late, we're 15 minutes into the show and we spent a lot of the time talking about the Rams, but I think it's warranted when you consider that we have them being the top stack a quarter of the time, according to our top stacks tool. And there's somebody else who I want to bring up here, and that has to be Jalen Hurts, who it's funny, Jalen Hurts is potentially on the outs in Philadelphia. There's people saying, should Gardner Minshew be starting for the Philadelphia Eagles and Jalen Hurts has certainly had his struggles in real life, but it hasn't correlated to fantasy because obviously when he plays well, he plays well for fantasy, but when he plays bad, the Eagles get down by so much in the fourth quarter of games, it just racks up all these garbage time points. So it doesn't really matter what the game script is. Every week we look up and Jalen Hurts is putting up 20 plus fantasy points. So as such, he is looking pretty under-owned on our, on our boom bust home, both FanDuel and DraftKings, the 7,200 price tag on DK, 8,400 on FanDuel seems expensive, but relative to his production this year, it just isn't problematic. I don't care what he's doing in real life. I only care about his fantasy production. But are you going to be getting to him despite some of the rumors that Gardner Minshew could be taking over a quarterback? Yeah, I'm going to ignore the rumors. I mean, the, the boom bust tool loves him. Uh, he's just he's a quarterback who gets there all the time. And I said a few weeks back, he's going to have a week, one of these weeks, where the magic doesn't happen in the fourth quarter. And he just duds out. But he seems to do it every week. So far, he just keeps doing it. Against the Lions, I think he's more likely to keep producing uh, than usual. So when I see 15.6% projected ownership, but a 20.3% boom probability, 17.5% optimal probability, I'm going to want to be over the field on Jalen Hurts against the Lions. Um, he is showing only 8.7% top stack odds, which, which again raises that question, 
do you want to run Jalen Hurts out there naked? Do you want to use a pass catcher? And I think uh, similar to what we were saying with Matthew Stafford on the bring back, I think with Jalen Hurts with his own receivers, I'm going to give a boost to his receivers, but not necessarily require them in my Jalen Hurts lineups. How about you? Yeah, I think I feel the same way. Jalen Hurts has been one of the quarterbacks, him and Lamar Jackson, the two that I've been most apt to run naked this year without really too much of an issue. Uh, obviously, I, I would like to get to Dallas Goddard in some of my Jalen Hurts lineups, but not a necessity. And I do think that Jalen Hurts is going to be one of my most rostered quarterbacks this week. I have three quarterbacks that I really like. One of them is Matthew Stafford. One of them is Jalen Hurts. And I bet the other one is somebody that you like as well. Uh, could you guess who that quarterback is? Taylor Heineke? No, uh, Josh Allen. Uh, it's uh, not, oh, yeah. yeah, a, a, a little, more obvious uh, one. Yeah, on. yeah a, a little more obvious. Josh Allen. Not. Uh, I mean, there's you know obviously debate to be had who's better, but uh, Josh Josh <laughs> Allen, who I'm going to be going with a, a whole bunch this week. And do you remember when we were doing the show together in week three? It was only the second one that we had done together, and people were complaining about Josh Allen. They're like, yeah, hey, this guy one year fluke. His fantasy production and MVP campaign last year maybe was a little bit overstated. Uh, he's been he's done nothing but crush. And I can't believe we got him at like four or five percent ownership in week three, because now he's become a popular quarterback again. The Bills are right back on track as favorites to win the Super Bowl. Josh Allen's the favorite to win MVP. And still, it's not like he's all that popular. We have him projected for 11 percent ownership over on DraftKings. FanDuel, he's going to be a little bit more popular where he's projected for 15 percent ownership. But still, we have him as one of the most likely players to land in the optimal lineup. I really like paying up for Josh Allen. And this is a week that overall I like paying up for quarterback more so than other weeks. Uh, are you kind of finding the same? And do you also like Josh Allen? Yeah, I mean, same thing. I actually I had him uh, written down as 14% protected ownership. Uh, I was doing that this morning, my quarterback research. So I wonder if that may have come down or it's possible that I just uh, wrote it down wrong. Um, but I liked him at 14% projected ownership. If he's only 11% projected ownership, that makes me like Josh Allen even more. I mean, they're projected to put up nearly 32 points, 15.6% um, top stack odds. Uh, you know, he's got those, he's got three different receivers that he can spread the ball to. Obviously, Stefan Diggs is his number one. So yeah, I'm going to like Josh Allen against the Dolphins. And you compare him with any of the three, really, or two of the three. Um, are you still using, uh, so I, I still have been using uh, just one, uh, one receiver in my stacks required. Um, do you typically, we, we talked about this before, but I'm curious if you've changed it all. Do you still only use one receiver required in your stacks or have you been forcing in more uh, three, three person stacks? Uh, it depends on the quarterback. So Josh Allen, I'm fine with one. Jalen Hurts, I'm fine with one. Matthew Stafford, I'm probably more apt to force in two just because he's so dependent on passing the ball. We're not going to be getting big running stats from Matthew Stafford. And I think personally, and there's no way to guarantee this, obviously, this is just a, a philosophical thing. If Matthew Stafford is in the optimal lineup, he probably threw for 350 yards and four touchdowns or something like that. There's no situation realistically where it's like, hey, Matthew Stafford rushed for 20 yards and two touchdowns, he lands in the optimal lineup. So I think pocket passers, you kind of want to force yourself to two pass catchers. Uh, does that make sense to you? That does make sense to me. Yeah, I've been, I've just been thinking about it. I watched uh, Brian Jester's podcast this week. He did a podcast about whether you need bringbacks uh, and they came to the conclusion on their podcast that you do still need bringbacks. It is still optimal, um, which, which was kind of the conclusion that I had been coming to for most often as well. Um, but they were also saying they're big proponents of the three by one construction. And I usually just do two by one um, because I feel like uh, three by one, you're, you're kind of giving up some projection and sometimes in, the largest tournaments, you know, that's a little bit risky, but I'm, I'm, it made me think about it a little bit more. Maybe I'm going to try to force in a little bit more two by one, maybe just by giving boosts to more quarterbacks without requiring it, just, just to get to a little bit more two by one than I have been. So the two quarterbacks that I've been forcing myself to get to uh, double stacks of has been Matthew Stafford and Tom Brady as of late. And it's just because of what I said before, there just isn't rushing upside in those quarterbacks. But I do think we could be a little more flexible with them when it comes to the guys I mentioned before, like a Josh Allen, Jalen Hurts. Uh, like I said, I do really think this is a weekend to spend up at quarterback more so than any other weeks that we've had previously. It's not like there's any cheap quarterbacks that really stand out. I know you mentioned Taylor Heineke, who uh, is only $5,300 on DraftKings. Is he somebody that you do like getting to this week? Yeah, I mean, I have interest in Taylor Heineke. He just looks so good in the boom-bust tool. 2.2% um, projected ownership, but a 7.7% boom probability and a 5.6% optimal lineup probability. I really like that. I mean, that's just, uh, it's hard to find that kind of uh, difference between the projected ownership and the boom probability and optimal probability. Um, I feel like the boom-bust tool 
uh, typically likes the cheaper quarterbacks. I think just because, you know, in the optimal lineups, often you're going to want more expensive uh, receivers and running backs. So then the cheaper quarterbacks allow you to get there. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm going to try to, I'll probably force in a little bit of Taylor Heineke and also Geno Smith, uh, same price tag against the Jaguars. You can do Geno Smith to DK Metcalf or Tyler Lockett only projects for 2.8% ownership, but a 7.1% boom probability and a 4.1% optimal lineup probability. I mean, we saw they, they can have the big plays, had the big play on Monday night with DK Metcalf right out of the gate. Of course, then you only targeted DK Metcalf like twice the rest of the game for some reason, but hopefully they will, they'll fix that this week and, you know, he'll throw it to the, to his good good receivers um so yeah i, I like Geno smith against the jaguars i feel like they should be able to put up some points um at only 2.8 percent projected ownership i really like that um there are also a few mid-range i, I kind of like the the falcons versus panthers game i'll probably have some of matt ryan uh and sam darnold um and then i also really like carson wentz in this spot against the titans any other quarterbacks that you like uh, not really. I, I really think that of the guys I'm going to have substantial exposure to, it's going to be Jalen Hurts, Josh Allen, and Matthew Stafford. And then I have a bunch of other guys I'm probably going to be mixing in at, you know, like three, four, five percent of my lineups. But I really don't think I'm going to be getting to anything else substantial just based on some of the odds, you know, the top stack odds, the boom bust tool. I could see myself getting to, you know, like 15 to 20 percent of, of Allen Hurts, Stafford. And then just mixing in smaller percentages of the other of the other quarterbacks. So I think I'm going to be able to be a lot more concentrated at quarterback this week than I've been in previous years. And I mean, in, well, also in previous years, but also in previous weeks this year, uh, just because I kind of think the numbers bear that out. There's nobody who really rates out as being positively leveraged on the low end of the quarterbacks. I mean, we have Teddy Bridgewater, who's projected for 3.7 percent ownership with a six percent chance of being the optimal lineup, but. I don't really know that I want to get to a whole lot of Teddy Bridgewater, especially because we have Jerry Judy coming back. And I don't know what to expect from the target share out of all those guys. I don't know if Jerry Judy's going to take on a full workload right away, but I also think you could take away from guys like Noah Font and Cortland Sutton, which kind of makes me less apt to want to get to Teddy Bridgewater just because of the pass catching options. Uh, anybody else that you're really looking at from a quarterback perspective? I just want to throw out there sort of a, you know, I'll, I'll probably have some uh, Jameis Winston just because he's 6,000. Uh, against the Bucks, they should be down. It's a pass funnel defense. Jameis Winston is one of those high variance quarterbacks. Anyway, he can throw five picks or he can throw five touchdowns. Uh, so I'll just hope that he can keep the game close against the Bucks. And he's also someone that I might consider uh, as we're talking about our fantasy cruncher settings. I might uh, not require uh, a wide receiver or a tight end. It might just require wide receiver, tight end, or running back, and hope that uh, they continue to keep Kamara involved in the passing game. But I think that's about it. Okay. And we could, I think we could jump right over to the uh, running back position and starting with Alvin Kamara, who his role in the passing game was so weird earlier in the year. So the point where it was like non-existent and it was like, what, what, what's happened to Derrick Henry and Alvin Kamara? Derrick Henry is this big time pass catching back. Alvin Kamara had a week with zero targets earlier in the year, had another game with no catches also. And we're starting to see that normalize a little bit. We're finally, we finally saw the big receiving game in prime time for Alvin Kamara last week. And you mentioned it right there where there's certain running backs that I think are, are more likely to be able to stack with a quarterback, Alvin Kamara being one of them because he essentially could play the role of a pass catcher. But do you think we saw last week as a, a sign of things to come for Kamara or was it maybe just a, a fluke? I think so. I think that most likely they're going to try to get Kamara more involved in the passing game because he's so good and he's been, you know, it's been his role throughout his career. Um, so I would expect them to keep going back to Kamara, especially in a game against the Bucks, where they're probably going to be playing from behind. Not necessarily, but there's a good chance that they'll be playing from behind or at least uh, in a in a close game. And they'll want to get the ball to their best pass or their best player. Um, and uh, they're playing against a team that, you know, the Bucks are good against the run, not as good against uh, the pass. So maybe they'll get him more involved in the passing game. I like Kamara here a lot against the Bucks. Um, I'll probably be right around the field. The field's projected for about 11% projected ownership. I expect that it'll be similar to that. How about you? I think I'm going to be a little bit over on Kamara just from a standpoint of, I know that it's something if you look at our, our boom bust tool, we have him being as about appropriately owned, but if we're going to assume that Alvin Kamara potentially gets back to the passing game workload that he's had in previous years, when has there ever been a time where we could look at Alvin Kamara, particularly on, on DraftKings, where he is priced at, let's see, what is the exact price of Alvin Kamara? 
His salary on DK is $8,700. When has there been a time where Alvin Kamara was $8,700 on DK and was only projected for 10% ownership? It's just something that has never really happened in previous years. So just the idea that we could get a potential ownership discount on a guy who might be the player he was in the past, I'm fine with taking the risk that he goes back and becomes uh, just the less relevant player in the past game that he was earlier in the year. But I tend to think they're going to get back to it. They were so successful with it last week. And their offense had really been sputtering recently. So I like Alvin Kamara to get back on track. I do really like paying up for him. Uh, but then I think we also are left with the question of Derrick Henry. He's somebody who I think you and I both, neither of us have really gotten to quite as much exposure to Derrick Henry as we would have liked to in some spots. He's taken on more of a pass catching role this year. Also a game, a very pivotal one against the Colts. How are you going to be handling Derrick Henry relative to a running back like Alvin Kamara? I think that I'll have about even exposure between those two um, just be, and, and that's uh, that would be over the field on Kamara, just over the field or even with the field on Kamara and a little bit under the field on Henry. Um, it should be a high scoring game against the Colts. Um, they haven't been the best defense this year. Uh, he's projected for 14.5% ownership, but only 11.9% optimal. Uh, and like I said, I like some of the cheaper running backs. So I expect that I'll be a little bit under the field on Derrick Henry, which is always scary. Um, but you know, if I'm getting permission from the boom bust tool to go under the field on Derrick Henry, it's usually, usually what I'm inclined to do anyway. Um, so I think that I'll be just a little bit under the field on Derrick Henry closer to my, uh, the ownership that I'll have on Camara. All right, so you've alluded to it, so I really want to ask you. You talked about these cheap running backs you like, that it's enabling you to pay up at other positions. Who are some of those cheap running backs that really stand out to you this weekend? Okay, so, uh, I mean, James Robinson isn't really cheap. He's a guy that I like in mid-range. I'll, I'll scroll down to my, my, my cheaper guys. Uh, Khalil Herbert looks good, uh, 5,400 against the Niners. Only projected for 4.3% ownership, but an 8.7% boom probability and 8.1% optimal lineup probability. He just gets so many opportunities. They, they feed him the ball, and he got 100 yards against the Bucks. If he can get 100 yards against the Bucks, I think that he can get 100 yards against the Niners as well. Uh, for 5,400, I think that's uh, that's a price I'm willing to pay for Khalil Herbert. Um, on the other side of the game, I like uh, Eli Mitchell just fine against the Bears. Uh, same price, 10.3% projected ownership, 10.8% optimal. That's not a huge difference there, but I, f- I figure I'll be right around the field there. Um, one really interesting spot to me is the Eagles. Uh, just because they're playing against the Lions, Miles Sanders is out, and I don't think anybody really knows what's going to happen with the Eagles' backfield. And I think this is a spot, uh, it's interesting to me because I feel like it's sort of a, a blind spot where nobody knows what's going to happen, so then hand builders are going to be scared away from it because they're just going to, I don't know what's going to happen here, I don't want to take that risk. And then anybody who's making projections isn't going to know what the split is and and typically people who make projections uh the number of carries for these running backs is going to add up to 100 right um this is a spot where in my projecting these running backs i'm probably going to project them out to more than 100 because i'm going to want to have some of all of kenneth gainwell boston scott and this is where i'm getting really weird and not something you want to do in your first 20 lineups probably but i'll probably play some jordan howard uh just because he's been getting run with the first unit uh with the starters this week in practice he's only four thousand. he's their only big bruising running back it wouldn't be that shocking if jordan howard comes out and gets a lot of carries this game in my opinion against detroit where he can actually like get a bunch of yards i know that he's like in the past he rushes you know uh two yards and two touchdowns is kind of the jordan howard stat line um the re- in the in the recent past but he does have a history uh longer ago with the bears where he was actually a decent running back and against the lions i think anybody can be a decent running back so i'm willing to play all three of gainwell scott and howard probably in different running backs do you have any interest in any of the the eagles running backs Gainwell is the guy for me, and I'm just pulling up. So these are the, the first three games of the season for Jordan Howard last year. Against the Patriots, eight carries, seven yards, and a touchdown. Against the Bills, eight carries, four yards, and a touchdown. Then against the Jaguars, three carries for one yard and a touchdown. Uh, somehow didn't find the end zone on his two carries against the Seahawks, only had two carries for two yards. And then he followed that up against the Cardinals with his biggest rushing game of the season, 10 carries for 19 yards and a touchdown. So there are these kind of weird running backs, like well, Garrett Blunt is another one that comes to mind from the past, where I don't think they're particularly good. They're certainly not efficient, but teams get it in their head that these guys are really good at running for one yard, as if that's like some like crazy trail. Like, oh, look how good this guy is at picking up one yard runs. 
So I do think there's a pretty good chance that Jordan Howard is live to score one or two touchdowns, especially in this game script against the Detroit Lions. Um, I don't know that I'm going to be getting to him. And in the bills I have right now, I have 0% of Jordan Howard. Uh, but I, I do think that he's alive to have that kind of game where it's like, hey, 10 carries for 15 yards and two touchdowns for Jordan Howard. But that's something I'm probably not going to be banking on. I think Kenneth Gainwell is the guy for me just from this standpoint. He's already in the running back rotation. And he's been a guy who's even taken away touches from Miles Sanders earlier in the year. And obviously coaches aren't always logical when they think about these things. But I have to think if somebody was in the rotation and was even the go-to running back at point in time earlier in the season, that he would be the go-to guy when you take somebody out of the out of the roster. So I'm going to be going with Kenneth Gainwell. I'll be overweight to the field on him. I also totally agree with you on Khalil Herbert. Uh, his workload has been really crazy for the Bears the last couple of games. 19 carries and three targets against the Packers, against the Buccaneers, 18 carries and five targets. So Khalil Herbert and uh, Kenneth Gainwell, those were all my two favorite value plays for this slate. Uh, are there anybody, is there any other running back on the line of the pricing tier that you really do like getting to? Yeah, well, first, let me just say, I agree with you 100% that Kenneth Gainwell is the most likely, and I will be over the field on Kenneth Gainwell as a result. Um, I just think that, I think that they're all kind of like their ownership for each one of them is slightly lower than I think it should be, or, or that that I'm going to have mine at. So yeah, I'm going to have definitely the most of Kenneth Gainwell. Boston Scott's really interesting as well. Didn't really talk about him much, but uh, he could be very involved. But yeah, other than them, uh, I got one that's actually Alex Baker endorsed, uh, a backup running back, minimum price. You know, one of my guys, and Alex Baker endorsed him on, on the contrary. Rashad Penny for 4,000 against the Jaguars is kind of interesting just because Alex Collins has been banged up. Uh, we don't really know what Rashad Penny's role is going to be yet, but on Monday night, he was the number two running back um, behind Alex Collins. Uh, so I would expect him, his role to continue to grow. And against the Jaguars, you'd think they'd be able to uh, put up some points. And it wouldn't be that shocking to me if Rashad Penny does it and gets a little bit more involved at only 4,000. So I like the Rashad Penny play. Uh, one guy that I mentioned last week was uh, I, I thought Sony Michelle was interesting against the Lions uh, because I thought there was a chance that the Rams would get up a lot and Sony Michelle got get an opportunity. Of course, the Rams did not get up a lot. They got <laughs> behind by 10 points immediately, and Sony Michelle had two carries in that game. Um, it's not a, it's not a really uh, a strong endorsement, but I'll probably play Sony Michelle. Take take the same shot this week against the Texans. Hope that this time the game script works out a little bit differently, uh, even if that is a little bit unlikely. Um, I think that does it for all of my, I mean, I already mentioned, uh, Philip Lindsay and David Johnson, they're guys that you could consider, especially if you're playing Matt Stafford. Um, yeah, I'd say those are, those are the big ones. Michael Carter is kind of interesting. Uh, Mike White, uh, Lafie was saying on one of the shows this week that, uh, Mike White targeted him a lot, uh, <laughs> in the limited time that he was in the game. So wouldn't be that shocking to see Michael Carter, uh, get a few receptions, but I'd say that that about does it. Anybody else that you like in the, in the low end? Not really in the low end, the ones in, and people are saying like, oh, look, and I usually do play pretty contrarian. People are like, oh, look, Greg likes all the Cleo Herbert's projected for 4% ownership this week. And it, it seems like he should be chalk given what his role has been lately in his price, but there just isn't ownership going towards him right now. And obviously that is something that's subject to change by tomorrow or later on the day, but we've got Khalil Herbert projected for 4% ownership right now at $5,400 on DraftKings. Over on FanDuel, we have Khalil Herbert projected for 4% ownership at 6,500. This is a guy who I think should be a chalky player and just isn't this week. So I'm, I'm going to be on him considering his price and the role he's had recently, at least until we see, you know, David Montgomery get healthy. I think Khalil Herbert's going to be the guy for them. Uh, today's show is sponsored by No House Advantage. If you guys are not familiar with NHA, this is a totally different way to play daily fantasy sports. These are prop-based contests, and we have projections that are free to use over on Osmo.com that, that could help you build some lineups over at NHA. It's a 100% peer-to-peer way to play DFS. So there's still, there's still tournaments. It's props, but you're not going up against the house. You're still going up against other players. And also... If you are new to No House Advantage, sign up right now using the promo code Osmo and get up to a $25 bonus on your first deposit. They also have an app that you can download, so check that out in the App Store. All right, let's head on over to the wide receivers, and let's start with the man, Cooper Cup, who uh, is, is he the best wide receiver in football right now? Because it, it's, it kind of seems unassuming, but every, every week it's like two, two touchdown catches, 150 yards. I think he's multiple touchdown catches in four of the last six Rams games. Is he the best wide receiver in football? And are you going to be playing him as chalk again this week? 
I don't have a strong opinion about whether he's the best receiver in football. I think he's the best daily fantasy receiver in football. Um, and he's definitely, I mean, he's up there. He's in the conversation for sure, as far as whether he's the best. Um, yeah, I mean, we do we do have some permission this week from the Boom Bust Tool if you want to go under the field on Cooper Cup. But I think that I'll be pretty close to the field. Just, you know, if, if I'm taking chances on some of the cheaper running backs, they'll allow me to get to Cooper Cup. Um, so I think that I'll be close to the field he's projected for 26.5 percent ownership that is massive uh on a 12 game slate so i'm not going to go overboard but it wouldn't it wouldn't surprise me if i get close to the field on cooper cup he's got a 28 percent boom probability um only 19.7 percent optimal lineup probability but at his price tag that's still pretty high um and then i'll also take some shots on on robert woods as long as we're talking about the rams he's only projected for a 7.6 percent ownership but a 12.1 percent boom probability and 8.4 percent optimal lineup probability at 6300 uh, i like that play as well so here's a stack this is actually my favorite stack of the week and i keep doing this i i tease it i give it out early we usually wait till the end but i can't i can't contain myself i just have to i just have to let it go so my favorite stack of this week is Matthew Stafford a quarterback, but the the pass catching options, uh, Tyler Higby and Robert Woods. And I think that is a total unique way to look at a, a Ram stack because we have them with the top over odds being the top stack on the slate. We have Cooper Cup, who's massive chalk. And I just think most people that are looking to stack the Rams are going to be including Cooper Cup in some way. So there's a lineup building show that Gundacker and I started doing yesterday. Still working the kinks out. It's a new process, but we did look at some Ram stacks yesterday. It was something I brought up and it's something I really still like today. It's only been, you know, whatever, 18 hours since, since I last did that show. But Robert Woods and Tyler Higby in a lineup and just not playing Cooper Cup in some Ram stacks. I think that's really sensible. Both of them look under-owned in our top stacks duel. How do you feel about that kind of approach to stacking the Rams? Yeah, I love it. That, that sounds like the kind of stack that I would make. So basically every slate, I make one lineup by hand and then I, uh, you know, build out the rest of, the rest of my lineups uh, using Fantasy Cruncher. And that's the kind of build that I often make by hand because it is contrarian enough that not a lot of people will get to it, but it's a pretty high probability and it uh, it gets, a, you know, you get you get some leverage on the cup lineups. If Higby and Woods are getting the work, cup isn't, and a lot more people are going to have cup. I mean, his, his uh, projected ownership is higher than Woods and Higby combined. Uh, so if those guys are putting in the work, uh, yeah, they could they could put up a big number in, in that game and they can, they're also nice leverage against uh, off of Cooper cup. So I like that stack a lot. Yeah. And once again, it's not even that I think Cooper cup is a, is a bad individual play by any means. I'm still going to be getting to a lot of them, but I think that is a really interesting stack, especially for single entry. If you're somebody who plays single entry or three entry max. Uh, I do think the Rams are the highest upside stack, but I mean, those stacks are almost all going to include Cooper cup. So a little bit of a different way to look at them. Uh, somebody else who I really want to ask you about is Debo Samuel, who we have projected as being one of the more under-owned wide receivers on the slate. Uh, there's obviously been a lot of turnover at the quarterback position with the 49ers this year. We've seen Jimmy Garoppolo, we've seen Trey Lance, seen both of them get hurt at times this year, but it hasn't really impacted Debo Samuel's production. He looks under-owned for us this week. We only have him projected for 14% ownership with 17 to 18% chance to be uh, in the optimal lineup this week. Do you like getting to Debo Samuel despite some of the, the overhaul and overturn we've seen with the 49ers quarterback position? Yeah, I mean, he's their best player. They should be trying to get him the ball. Uh, the boom bust tool loves him. Man, it tilts me so much because I traded him in my dynasty league before the year for nothing. Uh, and now he's one of the best receivers in football. But he is. I've accepted it. Debo Samuel is one of the best receivers in football. They're going to try to get him the ball. The boom bust tool loves him. It's, it's not my favorite matchup against the Bears, but uh, they're going to put up some points. They're going to get them the ball. So, yeah, I'll be, I'll be playing Debo Samuel in that matchup um, with, the, with the boom probability of 21.2%. That's a lot higher than his projected ownership of 14%. So I like it. All right, guys, if you haven't done so already, do us a favor, like this video, subscribe to the YouTube channel. Also, follow Neil on Twitter because, uh, Neil, like I said, he is a former Millie Maker winner, still a Millie Maker winner. It's not like those that money just dissipates. Uh, he's still somebody who won Millie Maker at one point, and uh, that's why you guys should all definitely be listening to everything he says, following him on Twitter. And I want to ask you now also, Neil, as we close out some of the wide receivers, is there any cheap wide receiver that really stands out to you as a good tournament play this weekend? Let's see. I don't know if there's anybody that's super cheap. There are a lot of like mid-level receiver plays that I like in the around 5,000. Uh, I don't see too many cheaper. I think the cheapest that I'm seeing uh, of the 
receivers that I listed is Robbie Anderson at 4,700. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So he, he's a play that I play every week. Uh, the boom bust tool finally this week, you have permission to not play Robbie Anderson. His projected ownership is higher than his boom probability. He's got a 6.3% projected ownership, only 4.9% boom probability and 4.5% uh, optimal lineup probability. That kind of surprised me. With all the chatter on Twitter about how many targets he's been getting and how little production uh, he he's, has come from it, I kind of expected the boom bust tool to uh, ignore the production and, and just look at the targets. Um, but apparently he is just so bad at this point that maybe, maybe the expectation is that the targets go away. Um, but I'm still going to take my shots on him just because, you know, he's been so talented in the past last year. He was so good. Can he really be this bad? I, I have trouble believing it. He's down to 4,700 in a solid matchup against the Falcons. Uh, it's, it's, it'd be tough for me to not play some Robbie Anderson at 4,700 in this lineup. So I'm going to be above the field um, despite uh, despite the boom bust tool giving me permission not to. Um, and I'm not going to feel that comfortable with it. Um, I'm on the same, by the way, I'm on the same page as okay. you. I absolutely hate it, but I keep playing Robbie Anderson. When we get down to it. it's like, why not take GBB flyers? I mean, like, when do we get a cheap wide receiver who's been talented in the past that is this kind of volume. He absolutely does shit with the volume. Nothing ever happens with it. But the last, last week, nine targets, some have at least a 14 receiving yards. The week before that, 11 targets, 11 receiving yards. This is just a crazy lack of efficiency. But at, at a certain point, something has to give, right? Either the volume is going to go down or the production is going to go up. I can't imagine this team is going to continue running offense. Or it's like, hey, Robbie Anderson gets targeted 12 times per game and, and equals to 15 yards each of those times. So something is going to give, and I'm willing to keep rostering Robbie Anderson for now. Maybe it should just be viewed as a sunk cost for me, but I, I feel like the process is right there where as long as there is this much volume, he remains cheap. I'm going to get there. I get Sam Donald's look awful recently. Maybe they do end up going back to PJ Walker at some point during this week, but still, I mean, we're looking at Robbie Anderson like you said, a, a, a wideout who's been successful in the past. He's projected for 3% ownership. He's cheap on FanDuel and draft. Good good reason he's cheap on FanDuel and draft because he hasn't done shit all season. Uh, but I, I like this as the breakout week for the seventh time. I'm, I'm predicting the breakout week for Robbie Anderson. And I've sworn off this guy, but I, I keep going back to him. Uh, anything else from a wide receiver position that you, you really want to talk about before we move on? Yeah, so I mean, DJ Moore, obviously you can play too. Um, speaking of cheap wide receivers. Tyler Boyd is only 4,800. He's only projected for 4% ownership. Uh, I like Tyler Boyd against the Jets. And T. Higgins also looks great. I mean, Jamar Chase is on the high end, but uh, I think you can play any of those three. They all look good relative to their ownership uh, against the Jets. Um, and then we mentioned earlier, uh, Cole Beasley. Those are cheaper guys. Cole Beasley, Emmanuel Sanders, both look good. Um, Terry McLaurin in your, uh, I mean, in general, you can play Terry McLaurin as a one-off. He also, if you're playing Taylor Heineke, you're probably going to want to play Terry McLaurin. I guess you go to Ricky Seals-Jones, um, but Terry McLaurin looks okay. Uh, Mike Williams looks great, which surprised me. I guess people are not playing him because he's so expensive, but uh, I mean, he's been great this year. So 4.9% projected ownership, but a 9% boom probability. I kind of like Mike Williams this week. Um, and then uh, Michael Pittman's going to be, I guess he's, he's chalky. So I'll probably be, I probably won't be above the field. I was, I was hoping to be able to get above the field. I was hoping Pittman wouldn't be so high owned, but it's projected for 17% ownership against the Titans. So that kind of reflects the great matchup. Um, uh, by also, the way, I, while, while we're on Michael Pittman, I want to bring up that T.Y. Hilton, I think is a really good leverage play off of Michael Pittman. Cause one of the reasons that Michael Pittman has seen so much production this year has been because T.Y. Hilton's out and who, who knows how healthy T.Y. Hilton is at this point in his career and this point in the season, but he's really cheap on FanDuel and DraftKings. People aren't rostering him. This is a game that has, at least is expected to be really high scoring. I like T.Y. Hilton from a standpoint of number one, he's really cheap and a talented wide receiver, but number two, just because he serves as leverage off of Michael Pittman. Yep, that is true. I actually have him written down here and he's, he's one of, in that kind of cheap range as well. Yeah, he's only projected for 6% ownership, but 10% boom probability. I like, I like the T.Y. Hilton call as well, even if it's a little bit uncomfortable because we don't know what's going to be. Um, it's a matchup where maybe they try to get him involved where, you know, against the, the easy Titans defense. Um, so yeah, I like, I like the T.Y. Hilton play. And then I'll just throw out uh, Calvin Ridley looks good against the Panthers. Everybody knows that uh, he's projected for 15% ownership. And then uh, another for, for low owned receivers. I like both T.K. Metcalf and Tyler Lockett against the Jaguars. I mentioned them earlier, um, but in your Geno Smith stacks in particular, you can play some T.K. Metcalf and Tyler Lockett. 
Yep, I, I think that is. I wouldn't play them together. I don't think that Geno Smith is going to have enough, uh, like even in double stack. I don't think there's going to be enough passing volume from Geno Smith to stack them with both Metcalf and Lockett. But individually as pass catching options, I think they make sense. Uh, one guy is a lower owned option I want to ask you about is Allen Robinson. Because as long as we're talking about talented wide receivers, uh, Allen Robinson for a long time with crap, just terrible, terrible quarterback to throw him the ball. He's still managed to be productive in the past. That has not been the case so far this year. But he's sub 1% on FanDuel and DraftKings. I'm looking to work him into like 5 to 10% of my lineups just because I believe overall in the talent. And Matt Nagy is out this week. Maybe that's a positive for the Bears. It can't be a bad thing considering how bad that offense has looked under him this year. But Allen Robinson, anybody at all that interests you at just super low ownership and super cheap price, he's totally been forgotten at this point. I played so much Allen Robinson last week <laughs> and it burned me so bad that it's going to be hard to go back to Allen Robinson. But yeah, I'll probably be right, right around 5% as well. I mean, only projected 0.6% ownership for Allen Robinson at 4,900 is so not what we expected coming into the year. Justin Fields has been that bad though. So it's kind of warranted, but yeah, 2.2% boom probability, 2.3% optimal lineup probability at 0.6% ownership. That's, that's a nice, uh, that's nice to see. So I'll play some Allen Robinson begrudgingly expect to be throwing away my money, but I'll, I'll give it some shots. And the, I mean, it's kind of the same story for Darnell Mooney, pretty similar play, uh, not quite as good of a play as Allen Robinson, but uh, not too far off either. So yeah, I'll do it. I don't love it, but I'll do it. Yeah. It's upsetting when we can say that Darnell Mooney about equal to Allen Robinson, but yeah. Allen Robinson, have you ever seen the list of quarterbacks he's played with in his career? Like it is, it is ridiculous. Even I, in, I, even in, even in like, college I think I remember he had a bad college quarterback but like his entire NFL career has just been like the best quarterback he's ever played with was maybe like Andy Dalton earlier in the year yeah it, it's not great for for Allen Robinson but in the past he's been able to produce anyway so we kind of thought no matter how bad his quarterback is he'll keep doing it I don't know I don't know what the issue is this year but they are they're not connecting yeah but hopefully uh without Matt Nagy, Nagy there they'll take advantage and run some plays that actually work for the team we'll see all right, you guys can get access to all the great Osmo Plus tools and content from nearly every DFS sport out there with an Osmo Plus weekly pass for $29.95 that'll get you full access to all the tools we have on the site to help you build winning lineups. Also, if you are a new user to Osmo Plus and you're signing up, use the promo code NFL Strategy Show. That's all one word, all capital letters, and that gets you 25% off your first week of Osmo Plus Platinum. Also, if you're only looking to play NFL DFS on a weekly pass, you get an NFL weekly pass for as low as $3.95. Stop guessing, start winning, join Osmo Plus today. All right, any other wide receivers you want to bring up? If not, we could talk about the uh, tight ends. Yeah, let's move on. All right, so heading on over to the tight ends and no Travis Kelsey this week, which I mean, in, in previous weeks, at least we were like, hey, we could pay up for Travis Kelsey and get some security. But boy, do the Chiefs just uh, not look like the Chiefs this year. So we are now left with over on DraftKings. The most expensive tight end on the slate is going, I'm pretty sure, let me just make sure that uh, it is Kyle Pitts. Um, it is, yep. Yeah, so, uh, so Kyle Pitts is the most expensive tight end this week. And after a really rocky start to his career where we didn't know, you know, what, what, is, what are the Falcons actually doing with him? He was only targeted a handful of times the first few weeks of the season. A lot of it came in garbage time. All of a sudden, the last few weeks, he's become one of the top scoring tight ends in all of the NFL. So I want to ask you here, do you buy into the recent production of Kyle Pitts? And are you looking to pay up for him this week? Yeah, I don't see any reason that you shouldn't buy into the breakout here. I mean, he's always had the talent. Uh, I think the big hesitation in best ball season, and I had this hesitation, was he's a rookie tight end. Rookie tight ends take a little while to adjust, but he's used like a wide receiver. He's got the talent of an elite wide receiver. Uh, so he, he's already broken out. He's already shown us that he can do it. So I'm going to trust it. I'm going to trust that they're going to keep going back to him because he's been able to produce so well. Uh, so yeah, I like, I like Kyle Pitts a lot at 6,300 against the Panthers in what a, what I hope will be a high scoring game, uh, only projected for 7.1% ownership, which was pretty surprising to me. Uh, 7.5% optimal lineup probability. So I like that a lot. Will you be going to Kyle Pitts this week? Yeah, for sure. When I have the space to pay up for him, uh, I think that he is certainly sense. By the way, his ownership has come up. He's currently projected for uh, about 9% ownership on FanDuel over on DraftKings projected for 7% ownership. Still looking under uh, under owned relative to his optimal lineup odds, but I don't mind paying up for Kyle Pitts, especially when we just don't have other guys to really pay up for on the slate. I think that is something I want to do when we have the salary space to get to. I'm not going to be forcing Kyle Pitts into my lineups, but uh, I do think that if the salary permits for it, 
that's the guy I want to go to. And one other guy that I, I really want to ask you about is what, what do you make of Tommy Sweeney? Because he is likely going to be starting a tight end for the Bills this week. We've got Dawson Knox out with an injury. We know how much the Bills have been throwing the ball this year. We've already talked about how we like Josh Allen as a quarterback play. If the tight end position this week, you know, doesn't have George Kittles out, it, there's there's no Travis Kelsey to pay up for. We don't have a lot of the studs to look at at the tight end position. If you're looking to punt, and because it also correlates one of the stacks we like, do you think Sweeney is somebody you're going to be getting to? So Sweeney is not somebody that I had even thought about until you brought him up, uh, really. He, he doesn't look great on the boom-bust tool, um, but I, I do I do see the merit. I can see why 4.9% of people want to play him uh, just because – Josh Allen has been finding his tight ends this year. So there is, there is some merit to it. Um, he scored a touchdown on a Monday night football game. I think one of the prime time games. Yeah. 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 He prime, scored prime yeah, right. game. But this isn't prime time. So we can't score a touchdown here. No, <laughs> no. Yeah. I think he, I think he's a fine play 2,900. Um, you know, I, I've, I've played worse plays than Tommy Sweeney. I'll play worse, worse plays than Tommy Sweeney this week. Uh, probably. So I don't think that it's a terrible play, but he is uh, the, is he the worst leverage play on uh, on the tool? Let me see. Yeah, he is. So he's uh, projected for four point nine percent ownership, but a zero point one percent optimal line. I, I also think we need a uh, an, um, a projection update on on Tommy Sweeney though. Okay. I don't know that it's uh, accounting for Dawson Knox being out as of yet. Okay. Yeah, you're probably right about that because that that seems that's kind of surprising to me just because we've seen Josh Allen target his tight ends over and over this year, which we didn't expect coming in, but he's been doing. It. I mean. Uh, Dawson Knox was doing great before he got hurt and Tommy Sweeney has already scored a touchdown. So I don't, I don't think it's the worst play on this slate. Um, I'll have to see what, once we get the projection update, see what, what Alex thinks about it. Um, yeah. It, at 2,900, I don't hate the play. Yeah. And there's a couple other cheap tight ends that I do really like this week. Uh, Jared Cook is somebody who I think is somebody to build around Ricky Seals Jones. So the, the really the three tight ends I like the most on this slate, it's Kyle Pitts, it's Jared Cook, it's, it's Ricky Seals Jones. Uh, do you agree with that, or is there anybody else you'd add into that mix as somebody you're prioritizing at the tight end position? Uh, I mean, Tyler Higby. You mentioned him in your stack, uh, so I, I imagine you don't hate Tyler Higby either. Um, he no, looks good. It, it's more more just of a stacking option for me, Tyler Higby. Like, I don't know that I'm going to be dying to play him outside of my Ram stocks, whereas players like Jared Cook, Ricky Seals-Jones, Kyle Pitts, I think those are guys who are going to be important to my lineups, like, regardless of who the quarterback is. Okay. Um, yeah, I, I like all those plays. Those are all on my list, my short list of tight ends. Um, TJ Hawkinson is kind of interesting to me, only project for 5.7% ownership. Um, you know, they like to target him. So all of some TJ Hawkinson. And then Dallas Goddard is really interesting to me. Um, because I'm going to be playing so much Jalen Hurts, I imagine I'll be playing some Hurts to Goddard stacks. Only 4,700 against the Lions. I mean, that's as good of a matchup as you can really hope for. Uh, only projected for 10.6% ownership. No Zach Ertz. He's got a 14.3% boom probability. So I like Dallas Goddard uh, against the Lions. Um, yeah, I think we've named all the tight ends that I, I have on my list here. All right. So let's get into uh, one of the best parts of the show where I get to lament that I included the uh, DSTs in the run sheet. So moving over to the defenses and you know, always a position you and I talk about. My typical inclination is to try to go cheap at defense and you know, this week, even a team like Washington, just because they're, they're projected, well, not projected, they are going to have a low price this week, only $2,100 on DraftKings. That is something that's going to be appealing to me on FanDuel. They only have a 3,400 price tag. I think that's going to be my most rostered defense this week, just because of what it allows me to do in terms of spending up for my skill position players. Uh, I, I think that that is the way that I'm going to be building a lot of my lineups, just going cheap at defense. Uh, is there anything that you see from a defensive spot that you really do actually like this weekend? I feel the same way about Washington. I'll be getting to plenty of Washington just because of the price tag. Um, I'll take some shots on the Seahawks against the Jaguars. <clears throat> I don't love it uh, just because they're a pretty bad defense. Uh, but, you know, rookie quarterback, Jaguars, not a great offense. Uh, so I think there are worse spots than the Seahawks at 2,800 against the Jaguars. I'll probably pay up some for the Rams. Not a ton but there'll be spots where I pay up for the Rams. Uh, I think Ben Rossa said uh, on, on last week's show, there was some defense that was 5,100. He called it the worst play on the slate, I believe. <laughs> so, so there is that. Uh, uh, there are uh, those who would 
uh, argue against playing the Rams. I'm guessing that he is not going to be playing the Rams this week, but I sometimes like to pay up to be contrarian. Uh, they're a good enough defense in a good enough spot that I don't completely hate it. Would it be that shocking if the Rams scored two defensive touchdowns against the Texans with Davis Mills at quarterback? It wouldn't be that shocking to me. So I'll take some shots on the Rams, even though they're not going to project that well. I mean, that's the thing about the, the expensive defenses never project that well because defense, uh, you know, is so variant, but I'll take some shots on the Rams. Here we have the Rams predict for just 1% ownership over on DK right now and over on FanDuel, by the way. Like you said, that is a 5,100 price, like pretty steep price to pay for a defense. Over on FanDuel, they're actually projected for 9% ownership at 5,000, which uh, to me, I would obviously like them a lot more 1% ownership at 9%. So uh, to me, you're not even paying up to be contrarian on FanDuel, but DraftKings, I agree with you, 1% ownership for a defense that's in what seems at least in, in theory to be a high upside spot. Don't mind getting there. So let's head over to our favorite stack of the week. And if people were not listening earlier, I already, I already hit my hand. If I was, if I was saying to anybody and they asked me, what is the number one stack to play in a single entry GBP this week? I would say Matthew Stafford to Robert Woods and Tyler Higby. I think Cooper cup is a terrific option this week, but he's going to be really popular. I love the Ram stack. And I do think this is a good way to find some leverage getting away from Cooper cup. Uh, but now I'm going to ask you, Neil, if you're playing one GPP lineup, what would be your stack there? I think I'd actually go to Sam Darnold. I, I just like to play. I think he's going to last the game at quarterback. And this is, again, uh, I'm being contrarian here. This isn't like the top projected play, but he was in the first stack that I made. I feel like I just like the shot, taking a shot on Sam Darnold with Robbie Anderson and DJ Moore, and then with a Falcons bring back. I, I feel like uh, you can do worse at 5,600. I'll take some shots and, and hope for the best for Sam Darnold. Hope he doesn't get replaced mid-game. <laughs> I hope he doesn't get replaced mid-game. And hopefully Robbie Anderson also doesn't suck this week. Maybe Robbie Anderson finally does something with those targets. Or it, listen, if he averages six yards per target, that's like an incredible play relative to what he's done recently, that kind of target share, which it wouldn't be totally shocking me if that finally happens. Guys, thank you so much for watching. Do us a favor, like this video, subscribe to the YouTube channel. We've got more content coming up today. We've got the NBA Deeper Dive, NBA Live Before Lock. So stick around, watch all that, and good luck this weekend.